Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast, brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Every week, we'll meet an amazing executive who will share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. You can learn more about Women in ETFs and the exchange-traded fund industry at womeninetfs.com. We have a freebie for this episode, our gift to you. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. Find out more about our show, see some behind-the-microphone photos, and get a preview of our upcoming guests on Instagram and LinkedIn. All these links are in the show notes. So... Put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking to Diana Tidd about when to fight, when to fight in your career and how to do it well. Diana is MSCI's Chief Responsibility Officer. She coordinates MSCI's environmental, social, and governance strategy and is a member of the firm's executive committee. Prior to this role, Diana worked as the head of the Asia team for Brown Brothers Harriman. In 2016, Diana was named by Money Management Executive as one of the top women in asset management. Diana received her bachelor's in political science from Colgate and a master's in Latin American studies from Stanford University. Diana is a longtime runner and married with four kids. They all love to boogie board and surf in Half Moon Bay, California. It is with great pleasure that I can welcome a woman I've known and admired for years, Diana Tidd. Welcome, Diana. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm excited to be spending this time with you. Oh, me too. Me too. So today we're going to talk about how and when to fight, when to go to battle in our careers. So Diana, do you have a time when you've had to fight for something in your career and kind of take us back? Tell us about it. Absolutely. There are certainly several times over my career where I felt like I had to push back. Um, mm. I was thinking, just as you were asking the question about one that's actually quite a while back, um, it was a long time ago, I was running a small sales team, and um, there were only three of us, so small team, but I wanted to be head of the team. And so when someone left, I asked to be head of the team, and I was told that I was ambitious. And it wasn't used in a way that was positive. <laughs> it was, uh, it meant you're over ambitious. <laughs> and so um, I thought about that and you know, the feedback and where I landed was in a good place, but it forced me to think about how I position my requests and how I engage on the topic of career advancement. Mm. So what I decided to do was focus on what I'm good at, which at that time I was in a sales team and I was good at delivering sales results. So I focused on delivering strong sales results and then also realized that with that feedback, perhaps how I communicate. So if that was perceived my request to be ambitious or too ambitious, um, mm -hmm. that maybe there's something about how I requested that might help ease that concern that I was perhaps too ambitious. So the good news of this story is a year later, after working hard, delivering some good results, I didn't actually have to ask to get the promotion to the head of the team. I was offered that head. And so, but what it did was create a foundation for me thinking about, which I hadn't thought about before that, is how do we ask for these changes? Or as you're talking about on this podcast, 
when's the right time to push back, but also how do you push back? Right. Oh, that's great. So you took stock of who you were, right? So what are you good at? How do you communicate it? Both of those are very much a evaluation of sort of our human capacity, right? So the first one is very much intrinsically about you. The other one is really about the others, right? So I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's certain people in our career where we can be very sort of forward. We can be assertive about what we want because of their communication style, right? And others are going to need a much sort of softer touch and a different way that we communicate. Do you find that as well when you're looking to be deliberate about the messages that you're conveying, understanding how the other person's going to receive you? I love that question because I think it hits on such an important point. It's exactly as you said, when we're communicating, thinking not only about what we need to communicate and want to, but who's receiving it. And I love your word receiving, right? Because that's what's happening. They're receiving your communication. And so absolutely thinking about their own style, whether they're direct or less direct, whether um, they're more senior than you or and how senior they are, how well you know them, whether you trust them, and perhaps even what might they have on their agenda and their priority list, and how could what you're requesting be helpful to them or not. So I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of just always thinking about who's receiving your communication. Right. And, And that's quite a bit of work that needs to be done up front, right? So in your example, where now there is a vacancy, and you have an opportunity to make a request, that can't happen. The type of preparation that you're talking about can't really happen in overnight, right? You're going to be having to position yourself for that battle or, you know, for that moment of being assertive, well before the time comes, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Right. It's really an ongoing management process because I think about over my career, too, when I wanted to advance, let's say, into a new title or even to be part of a new committee at the firms I've worked at. And it really is a bunch of upfront kind of thought and ongoing management of that process. Right. Are you thinking, okay, I really want to be on that committee, that leadership committee. And do I go to my manager and say, I want to be on that leadership committee or I deserve to be on that leadership committee or ask whether you could be on it or are you able to think about other ways to start to get folks on that committee kind of used to thinking about you in the context of that leadership role? Like maybe I could present, you know, and maybe my manager would either invite me to, or I could offer to present at that committee now and again and start to get people used to thinking about me in that committee and working with them and as that level of leader. And then eventually, may they choose to invite me because my work's been useful for the committee, for example, or might it be more appropriate then to ask after I've been presenting on the committee several times, just as an example. So I think exactly right that it takes some work up front and thought over time about how you're gonna ask that right question or make that right statement. 
Right. And, you know, I think sometimes I remember earlier in my career, um, I was given this amazing opportunity to head up an exploration of a new business line. And so the communication needed to happen over, you know, multiple offices. And I was so excited. And so we had this great what I thought was a great meeting, you know, I'm like, I'm hitting all my bullet points, you know, we're we're really driving toward consensus on how we're going to shape this business line. And then our then CIO of the company was at another office and I hadn't hung up the conference line yet. And I heard her talking to others in the room about how well I had done in starting off this project. And I got some really honest feedback that I wasn't meant to hear, but was really impactful to the battle that I had not put in place. So for me, it was about learning everything I could about this new business line and then assembling the right people. What I hadn't done was gone and had those individual conversations with folks to understand what they wanted out of it. And so a lot of people sort of felt caught off guard with the initial meeting. So what was great was that I had time to now (laughs) do the work that I was meant to do and not to be so confident about my, you know, obviously lacking approach to begin with. So what advice can you give someone like me back in that time, or maybe some of our listeners that are kind of coming up and providing opportunities? Like, what are some of those on the field type of work that needs to happen before you sort of go into battle for a project or for a commitment with your firm? I think that's such an important aspect of all of our careers. And that example, I have not exactly the same, but other experiences too, um, (laughs) like that when you come into a new role and, you know, have you um, really thought about the various stakeholders and folks Mm. involved and brought them along with you, right? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, Uh, It's funny, the work I do in my role now at my firm does involve a very heavy amount of collaboration. And, you know, some firms have more matrix structures, some have less of that. In my firm, we don't think about even the word matrix. But as in any company, as leaders get more senior, to me, I see less or perhaps fewer direct lines and more of the need to influence, right? Mm. And so things happen through influence. And so when we think about going into, even at the most senior level of organizations, if you've ever listened to some of the, the podcasts and videos on talking to boards and how we engage on boards, or I even think about women in ETFs and speaking to the senior leaders, that we learn that sometimes it's good to actually have those individual discussions before that group meeting. Right. Right. So absolutely, that sort of thinking about, okay, there's a big opportunity, it could be a big meeting, maybe it's a meeting with the CEO, maybe it's the meeting with your manager for the first time. But how could you think about bringing the others in the room with you or even if you're, you know, it's not a big new role, but you're making a proposal and you're hoping it gets accepted. Is there some work you could do that the people in the room are going to be in the room with you and make that decision that they would find helpful? It may make them look smart, uh, in fact, that you could pre-educate them on and then also have them have some time with you. So you've also gotten some one-on-one time with them before the group meeting so they get to know you and may even you know, kind of further back you after the meeting. So yes, I think you're getting at this uh, topic of groundwork and really being thoughtful about before anything significant, like a career request, a meeting, or even a big presentation, 
how do you get that buy-in before and not underestimating the need for that, right? Because how can a meeting go the best and in your favor? A lot of times, if you take that extra time up front, which you think you may not have time for, mm-hmm. that can save you a lot of time and and help you move your agenda forward. Right. I, I think sometimes it's easy to become myopic, right? Because you're thinking, oh, you know, what I've been tasked with is has got to be one of the more important things that everyone needs to <laughs> exactly. show up for. And, and and then you end up having these one-on-one conversations and you're thinking, wow, <laughs> there's a lot right. of context. I had no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no idea what everyone else is sort of working on and how some of the things that they're working on can actually fit with the things that, that I'm working on. And I feel like I was so actually blessed to have what happened to me early on in my career because I felt like it now became something I thought about all the time and something that I help my teams think about all the time. How do you do that groundwork? How do you become an influence? And and how do you accept influence from those around you? So, you know, sometimes some of the harder things in our careers become some of the better things that, that happen to us. I think so. And um, that experience, right, it helps in all the situations you described. And then I think about as you become more senior, it also goes to, yeah, how do you get things done? Right. And a lot of that is more and more of it becomes not a direct mandate, but influence. So having that conversation, knowing what they're thinking is important, figuring out how your important stuff could fit with theirs and how they might be able to be a vehicle for advancing that topic for you. Right. So, and whereas you're not going in saying like, I need you to do this. Right. So it's, it becomes more and more important over a career. Absolutely. And I think more and more important as sort of the field of work changes, as it becomes more collaborative within firms and between firms. I love that topic, actually, for this podcast, direct mandate versus influence, um, because I do think that there's a continuum there in terms of having to operate within those dichotomies all of the time. And swinging more and more toward influence is going to help folks become much more productive in their own careers. So Diana, as we talk about being bold and having to stand up for what you need and what is right, what are some of the ways that you have found that you've had to put up the good fight at work? What are some of the ways that you've had to do that? It's a good question. Over the years, I would say, and I do think maybe to start with, I do think myself more about asking or pushing back, right? So if we look at that topic of, you know, kind of putting up the fight, in my mind, I almost picture a battle there, right? And Mm. so I will say, I haven't found myself that actually kind of having a fight in the firms that I've worked in and the cultures I've worked in, it could be very different on a trading desk or a different uh, (laughs) firm, but I haven't found that an actual fight has been productive at the firm and haven't seen it work at the firms I've been working at. But there are times during our careers when we need to push back. And it sometimes happens because maybe a decision was made and we feel that not all the right information was taken into account. Maybe it's for lots of different reasons. And so I think about really how can we push back? Right. And how can we do it in a productive way? And so what I found is there have been those times in my career. It's always good to take a deep breath and think about, (laughs) as you said earlier on, who you're talking to and what the right tone of that meeting is and your pushback. 
right? Because pushback given at the wrong tone can have an impact that you don't intend. And so thinking about how you can kind of muster your thinking towards the most constructive way, and usually pushbacks at a time where someone's kind of pushed you on something and you're not happy, or you're, you know, you've kind of been pushed a little on a topic, you feel like it's been a little too much. So taking that time, and you've been talking about through the podcast, but taking that time to think and really well construct how you're going to give that pushback is important. And so I know everyone wants to pick up the phone or have the meeting right away because you want to push back. And we all know there are the 10 second rules or 10 minute rules on big things that might be a 10 day or, or a few week rule to really think about how to position it. But there are times when it's necessary. And what I found is that going in calmly explaining the topic from your view of what the challenge you're faced with is. And then with pushback, I often find that here's where an understanding that perhaps the person who made the decision didn't have all the information, you know, without saying that in the wrong way, but it's possible that if you push back on them, they didn't have all the facts they need. And there's an ability in a constructive way to provide them additional information that might change their views. I've actually seen that at the firms I've worked with. There's a case I'm thinking of back a, a while ago where a woman I knew was hoping to get promoted, was told she was not going to be promoted. And she was told ahead of promotion day. So she wouldn't be upset on the day. Mm -hmm. And when they told her, she felt that the feedback was actually not factually correct because she was a salesperson. And so she was actually able to come back with an argument in numbers that showed that they actually might've missed and looked at a wrong report. Right. And so she was actually able uh, in that case to change the decision. Right. Oh, that's excellent. So let's take our example to a room. So we're all sitting in a meeting. A decision needs to be made. You feel passionate about it, um, which I know in our careers, we, there's all these these times, <laughs> yes. right? Feel passionate about a direction. You've done the pre-work. The discussion is at full tilt. At what point do you know your advocacy for your position is over? You know, at what point do you know it's time to sort of rein back and get on the new bus that's going in a, in a, in a direction that you hadn't anticipated? You know, is it something innate? Is it instinctual for you? Or do you have some thoughts on how you can help others listening here sort of discern when the fight is over? This is a great topic. It's certainly highly nuanced, but it's really important, right? So knowing when to take a step back in terms of pushing your point is so important. I wish there was a rule on it um, <laughs> myself, but I think that would be very helpful. I do tend to think about if I were to try to give myself a rule, which I really don't think there there is one, of course, but one, I do think there's something kind of innate, like, have you hit, did the tone or the way someone you know well, perhaps, or the way they responded suggest that issue should hold for now? Mm. Um, so there's that aspect. There's also a question of, you know, the seniority and the different players in the meetings and then how they react. But also, if we need to try to boil down to something, maybe thinking about kind of how many times we can circle back. Mm. to a position in a meeting. And I don't think there's a right answer to that, but there is a point where a topic's been discussed and responded to 
maybe it can be new information introduced again and responded to again. But is there a third or fourth time that should happen? Or is there a time for a pause? And so I think once we're starting to get into the kind of multi rounds, if that innate sense hasn't kicked in, maybe just a little bit of thinking of what's the appropriate number of times to circle back. And when's the point, our, um, the places I've worked over the years have used the expression, you know, let's take this offline. Right. That's a common expression um, that can also be a very friendly way of saying it's time to cut this topic. And so that itself may be an indicator you get. And for sure, if someone says that, it's time to take it offline. It's time to pull it out of the meeting. Because I have seen also sometimes people say that and someone circles back again and you think, no, when it's time to take it offline, it really means it's time to bring it into a different venue. Right. I think sort of decoding some of those things in the conference room is so important, right? I think another one for me is when you see some of the senior leaders start to, you know, write something on their page that they like shift over and let someone else read. And you're thinking, okay, there's another conversation going on here. There's something that maybe not everyone in the room is privy to, you know, this discussion has now gotten counterproductive, right? So I think that's great. I I love that. I love the idea of, of looking to sort of decode and don't you think sometimes working with your leader or your manager about how to show up in some of these conference rooms, like how to start reading people for when things are going in sort of the right direction and when you need to sort of jump on the bus and realize that, you know, you're not the driver? Absolutely. And I think about it over my career, that actually has become more and more important because the folks you're in the room with and people who have experienced with them, and if you're newer to some of them, Having the insights of people who know them better, who will help you decode the room is incredibly helpful. So I know when we have new folks come into the firm, they'll often ask me about working with some of the senior leaders at the firm, just trying to get those types of insights. Like what is a good way to approach them or any tips you have, right? And so these questions that we can all ask not just when we're new at a firm, but when we're going into a meeting or of a different type than we've had or or any time really, because it can change based on what the priorities they have. It's a common check-in I do ahead of an important meeting is with someone else, such as my manager, about what that senior leader might have on their minds and what they're kind of focused on, sensitive about, or excited about. And so absolutely, I think a lot of this is kind of taking the time to ask those questions, because as you said, there are great signals. And I love that one about writing it on a, when someone's writing on a piece of paper, because it's correct, right? You're observing that and taking it in. So yes, all these are important inputs. Great. So pulling back a little bit, Diana, you and I have known each other for a few years. It's been fun to watch each other kind of at work sometimes. I know both of us have a just a strong desire to sort of help the next generation to sort of see a groundswell of leadership coming up that can sort of take business in, in new and exciting ways. So what advice would you have pulling back from even our current topic for this next generation? What's burning in you now to, to sort of communicate to our listeners? Yes, that's a good question because I admit I absolutely love working. Even lately, some really exciting aspects of my work relate to our intern programs and um, bringing new folks on board that way. So in terms oh, how of- wonderful. 
<laughs> yes, it's a, it's been a lot of fun and introducing folks to new areas or businesses they hadn't thought about being involved with. But I really think what I would say now is that actually the world has been incredibly dynamic for the last couple of years and COVID has changed the world so much. So even leaders who are progressing on their career but are still early stage, I would say I have never seen a time when firms and how they're operating have changed more dramatically. And so the ability of folks who are newer into the workforce or newer leaders in it to actually influence and sculpt the way the firms operate today is bigger than I've ever seen before. COVID has changed the world and a lot of firms and the best firms are listening in a way I've never quite seen before. So I would just say it's a really exciting time to be in the workforce and to not underestimate how, as we've talked about, kind of positioned well, they might really be able to influence their own careers and also the future of their firm's culture and and success. Right. And taking advantage and not wasting that opportunity when people are listening is key, right? So a lot of the preparation that we talked about earlier in the podcast to, to really understand yourself and others and how you deliver the message, but also to know what you want, right? A lot about why we fight for what we fight for is because we value something that we need to to truly understand why we're valuing it. So boy, a lot of introspection goes into fighting well, advocating well, communicating well. So true. So the last question that I have for you, Diana, today is what book have you read recently that's inspired you? I'm a huge proponent of stories and getting sort of caught up in it and really allowing sort of an author to take you on a journey. Nonfiction, fiction, I think it all can sort of expose us to different ideas and thoughts. So what is something you can recommend for our listeners? The book I read most recently, I just put down, was a book called Premonition. It's a Michael Lewis book, and I didn't think I could bring myself to read about COVID, but (laughs) someone told me that it related to California, where I'm living, and that it's got an interesting spin on it. So I actually, um, I really enjoyed this book. I recommend it to everyone. It's got an aspect of women's leadership and really made me, now that we're talking about it, like I think about aspects of this. And um, the government of California and a woman who's kind of a protagonist in this true story, what she had to manage in terms of her career and, and at a time when she was even asked to basically do all the work but not take any credit for it, right? Uh. And so... Um, and luckily she wasn't having much of that. So um, <laughs> I think we can support our, our managers at times, absolutely, in businesses, but but an actual game plan that that would be the ongoing structure didn't make much sense. So I liked that book because it was very, um, it gave insights into the government and operations and uh, some more facts about what was really happening in some areas on COVID, but also um, from a career perspective, I feel like when we read these books, We can always, as you said, you can always learn something new and often relate it to yourself. But I would love to get your reading list, too, because I bet you have a bunch of good ones also. (laughs) 
I do. I do. And um, we'll be putting some of those in the show notes as well as we talk about sort of advocating for our career. Thank you for that one. Um, I hadn't realized that he had come out with a new one. So that's that's exciting to me. Thank you. That's new on my list. So thank you so much, Diana, for taking time on this topic. I, I think we rarely hear about sort of the self advocating, fighting for what's right within our career in sort of those ways. So thanks for taking it on. I, you know, I think you are such a kind and, you know, thoughtful leader. So talking about times in which we need to buckle down and do the work to advocate for our positions coming from you means a lot. So thank you for this time today. Yeah. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to and the listeners. It's been great to have the time and look forward to speaking to you soon. Awesome. Awesome, Diana. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information to file away, but let it be transformational in your career. I'm rooting for you. Once again, I'd like to remind you to go to womeninetfs.com to find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry. Please also check out this episode's freebie where I've listed some great resources on how to prepare for difficult conversations and how to be bold during them. You'll find them at withakchristinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, make sure you do. We have a season of incredible guests. Don't miss out. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us tackle, please let me know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.